From the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter, verses 11 through 17, hear the word of God. And John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals, said John. But then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. He's more powerful than I, said John. But then Jesus came from Galilee to John in the Jordan to be baptized by him. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan. And he looked at John in the eye. What? No, 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 no. I need to be baptized by you. You come to me. I said fire. You want water. I'm not worthy to carry your sandals, and you want me to hold you into the Jordan. Fire and water, the vision and the reality. Where did John get such a vision? If anyone knew Jesus, it would have been John. In Luke's gospel, you remember, it was John still in his mother's womb. You remember, Mary went with haste along the Judean countryside, made her way to her cousin Elizabeth's door. And when Elizabeth opened the door, she said, The mother of my God, for my child did a backflip in my womb. This John knew Jesus before either of them were born. But somewhere along the line, John took off with a vision of Jesus that was so different than the reality of Jesus. Fire! And Jesus asked for water. Not worthy to carry his sandals, hold me, John. Burning the chaff, bury me in the water. You should be baptizing me. The reality crashing into the vision. We know this. It happens to us all the time. When the reality crashes into the vision, it may have happened to you when you fell in love. Do you remember the feeling? Falling in love? You were giddy. Giddy. 
Now there's a word that sounds like what it is, right? Giddy. It sounds like the bubbles in champagne. You were giddy when you were in love. You remember that? Giddy. Giddy comes from the old English word gdig, which means possessed. <laughs> you see, when you fell in love, what happened was you took a, well, for example, you took a guy named Biff. There are no Biffs here, right? Please tell me no Biffs. You took a guy named Biff, who by all accounts is the lime jello in the grocery store of life. That's the reality. And you said, isn't he amazing? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wow? And everyone around you went, no, he's Biff. But then you got married. And there comes a day when the wow and the amazing Biff forgets to tell you that his mother is coming to stay for a week. I thought I told you. No, I would have remembered if you told me. And it's that moment when the vision crashes into the reality and you spend the rest of your life looking for recipes that go with lime jello. Do you understand? What I'm saying is that we can take people and make them into things that are simply not true. Political candidates become messiahs. We wear their buttons. We wear their hats. <laughs> messiahs are going to rule the world. They're going to make us so happy. They're going to make us giddy. And then a few years later, we deny we ever voted for George or Jimmy or Bill or what's his name. We have these visions of who and how people are supposed to be. But those people will do something, they will always do something that doesn't fit the vision. Something so real, something so disappointing that it hurts. It hurts. And you have to cut them out of your heart. And you carry a wound. Visions come with painful realities. Oh, you never became what your parents hoped you would become. He so disappointed you. She could have, she could have, but she never did. The vision crashing into the reality. Poor John. He couldn't let go of his vision for Jesus, always hoping, always hoping that what was wrong with the world would get burned up like chaff. That would be justice. Always hoping for fire. Always hoping that he'd feel unworthy in the presence of the one who is to come. Just make me feel unworthy. He couldn't let his vision go. He couldn't let it go. A year or two later from a prison cell, John will question the reality again, saying to someone who would listen, go tell Jesus, please. Go tell him this question, please. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to look for another? Do you think John, Jesus was hurt by that question? Do you think Jesus had an unrealistic vision of who John was? Come on, John. 
Don't ask me that question. You know better than that. I'm sorry I'm not doing the thing that God, you want me to do to be the God that you want, but I'm doing the best that I can. Get off it. Give me some slack. Or, or, do you think Jesus knew the reality? In the very moment that he took off the apron from his carpenter's apron and threw it on the sawhorse and breathed and said, all right, I'll do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to give my life. I'll do it. I'm going to give my life for these people. I'll do it. Do you think Jesus went, I'm going to give these, my life for these people? They're so amazing. They're so wonderful. They're so great. I'm just giddy over them. Or maybe he knew, and he knows us through and through, that even on the night in which he was betrayed. He didn't come after us with a stick, but he knew us through and through and gave us his love. I know you. I know the reality of you. And guess what? I find you amazing. You're incredible. You're wow. I find you to be my love. And that, I think, that, I think, that, I think, is fire. I remember Frank. Frank had the challenge of putting his wife into a nursing home. She didn't want to go. Of course she didn't want to go. He put her in. She was so angry at him. But he would visit every day. He would go in the morning. He would visit after lunch. And if it was the summertime, if there was light enough to drive, he would go in the evening. And she was so angry at him. It was so hard. And he would go. And he came into my office one afternoon and shared how difficult it all was. And as he got up to leave, I said to him, You're a good man, Frank. And he turned to me and he said, No, I'm not. What do you suppose he meant by that? A year or so later, I did the service for his wife, Harriet. And a season or two after that, I was in the cemetery waiting, waiting for the hearse to arrive, waiting for another family, waiting to do another burial, sitting in my car. And there, not far from me, on his knees, fussing with the flowers, 
putting some flowers in, taking some flowers out on his knees. Frank. There's not much to look at there. A rather common-looking character in the grocery store of life. But to see it. You're a good man, Frank. I didn't say those words. But I believe this is the word of God. That nine times out of ten, every one of us in this room, we're a mess. Nine times out of ten. But ten times out of ten, God in Christ rips open the heaven lifts us up out of the water and says to each and every one of us, you're my child. You're the one I love. Wow. You're amazing. Amazing. And with you, I am well pleased. Fire. Fire.